Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You may be able to add value by just waiting a couple of weeks because it'll allow the seller to basically have a tax-free loan for up to 20 months or something like that, or 18 months, whatever it is. It's a tactic that you can use to potentially win deals with not being the highest price offer. Isn't it just the best when a software comes out that makes your life easier, makes you more money, and by the way, it's free? Well, welcome to Stessa, today's best ever sponsor. Stessa is a smarter income and expense tracking software for property owners. It allows you to track, manage, and communicate the performance of your real estate assets. So basically, it helps you make more money by looking at your properties in one dashboard. It's a beautiful dashboard, by the way. And it shows you the KPIs, the key performance indicators that you care about. What's the value? How much cash flow are you getting? What's the debt that you have on the properties? What are you bringing in monthly? What are you bringing in annually? And... It allows you to have a quick snapshot, not only of your properties, but also come tax time, it's a breeze because you can scan receipts and invoices directly from the phone app and Stessa will automatically read and categorize them for you. No more data entry. It's been talked about in Forbes, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all it takes is just a few minutes to add your properties, link the accounts, and everything updates in real time. Without Stessa, I was looking at my portfolio on an infrequent basis. I'm talking about my single-family home portfolio. I got three single-family homes, and I didn't realize that I had trapped equity. But if I was looking at it from a dashboard that Stessa has, then I would have realized that, hey, I got a portfolio value of X, and I've got debt on it of Y. Holy cow, look at all this trapped equity. I'm missing out. And with Stessa... That won't happen. So go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. And it's free. It's free. Stessa.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend. Because today is Saturday, we got a special segment called Situation Saturday and this is a fun one. You come across an RV park in the middle of nowhere, and there's a lot of challenges involved with that. What do you do? How do you take it down? How do you execute the business plan? Well, fortunately, we have a guest on the show today who 
has acquired an RV park in the middle of nowhere and has implemented a business plan at that property. And we're going to talk about the challenges and the individual disciplines within the team members that are required in order to do this type of deal. So with us today, again, how you doing, Scott Lewis? Hey, Joe, and best of listeners, and happy Saturday out there. Great to be back on the podcast, and I'm doing outstanding. Just got back from a couple of days in Las Vegas at a mastermind out there that was fantastic, and I'm happy to be on the show. What mastermind did you go to? It was a self-storage mastermind. Okay. Who put it on? Scott Myers. Cool. Good stuff. What was the takeaway that you got from it? I don't know that there was any one thing that I was taking away from it other than as a company, we're doing all the right things to be able to acquire self-storages. Well, makes sense. And we will transition into the RV park. But first, I want to give a brief overview of Scott's background. And you might recognize Scott from our previous interview, which was episode 965. And it is titled... Why he sold all he had, went to war, then returned to develop land and syndicate big deals. And a little bit about Scott. He's a co-founder and chief executive officer of Spartan Investment Group. Spartan Investment Group has completed $6 million in development projects and has $30 million more underway, has raised over $10 million in private equity. Those numbers might even be higher. I'm not sure what the latest is on those numbers. Also based in Denver, Colorado. So with that being said, Scott, you want to give the best ever listeners just a brief refresher of your background and then roll right into this RV park. Thanks, Joe. And best ever listeners, I came to real estate by way of kind of the military and federal government. I'm still an active reservist out here in Colorado, which is fantastic. I get a lot of good training that helps me be successful in my role as the CEO for Spartan Investment Group. I started in real estate when I was in high school building houses, and that's kind of how I put myself through college as well as a framer. I uh, became, an, uh, I'll say, a reluctant investor in 2007 when I joined the military because I bought a condo in 2005. And well, everybody's aware of the history. <laughs> I, I still own that condo. I won't say it's the bane of my existence, but it's definitely a third leg, I'll say, that's not all that helpful. And then really just kind of got started in DC, bought a really crappy row house and flipped it. And that's really what started our company. And we've just been growing ever since. And one part of the growth was a RV park that you all came across. Tell us the story about that. Yeah, it's really an interesting story. It's a story of maybe we could call it an epic adventure. So we need some like really cool, like instrumental music in the background right now. Really high. Um, it came kind of on a tangent to a two property portfolio in self storage that we were looking at taking down. Our primary mission right now is to purchase self storages. However, that particular deal fell apart and the agent was really impressed with kind of our acquisitions process and how we handled that. And he was like, Hey, you guys got to take a look at this. Do I got a deal for you? <laughs> it's an RV park. And we're like, uh, what? He's like, it's an RV park. I'm like, okay, where? It's in Gardendale, Texas. Say again? You know, Gardendale. No, no, Every, we don't know it. Everyone knows Gardendale. Yeah, so we're like, uh, all right, can you orient us to where we need to look? And he's like, oh, it's just north of Odessa, Texas. 
So for best ever listeners that aren't geographically sound with Texas, Odessa and Midland are approximately, I'll say about five hours southwest of Dallas, maybe about four and a half, five hours, pretty much due west of Austin, kind of in West Texas. So for listeners that aren't familiar with what West Texas is, it's oil. And it's actually called the Permian Basin. It's the second largest oil shale outside of Saudi Arabia. And it's one of the main reasons why. Absolutely. So Midland and Odessa were featured in the movie Friday Night Lights. That's where it was. And it's everything that you would think it would be. There's tumbleweeds, lots of cowboy boots. A Prius could fit in the cab of every single pickup truck that's driving around down there. Yeah, I was going to say, there are no Priuses in Gardendale, Midland, or Odessa, Texas. Yeah, for any listeners that are down there, if you rent a Prius, a, a Dodge Ram or a, a big Ford one F50 will eat your car. Yeah, if you're driving a Prius in Odessa or Midland, your safety is in danger, I believe. <laughs> you are incredibly in danger if you're driving a Prius down there. So, so do not do that. But just a quintessential solid Texas town, good community good, solid, hardworking Americans that are working in the oil fields down there. So when the agent first proposed this, our director of acquisitions brought it to us and we said, no, no way in hell. And he started running the numbers on it and they were offering it at a 16 cap, which for an RV park is a little high, but it's not outrageous. Our acquisitions director started running the numbers and that cap rate started creeping up. So by the time he was done running his analysis, it was right around a 20 or 21 cap. So that started to pique our attention. Mm-hmm. So that's when we really started to dig into, well, well, what is this about? So that we understood the underlying reason for the sale. It was a group of kind of cousins and friends and brothers that had formed to buy and build the park. They just weren't really getting along. And it was just time for them to kind of part ways and get rid of the park. They didn't have great management systems just because it was kind of a fractured relationship and that's not really what they do. We've actually become good friends with them and they're just good, solid, hardworking Americans. They do dirt work and paving. That's what they specialize in, not operating real estate assets. So the the park had kind of been run down a little bit. It wasn't being operated very good and it was just kind of being a thorn in the side for some of the partners and they decided that they wanted to sell. So it was a really good situation. So right out of the beginning, once our director of acquisitions convinced us to do this deal, we're up against the cash offer. And the cash offer was offering to close really, really quick. And this was in November of 2017. Well, we went back with an innovative strategy to say, listen, you actually don't want to do that. You want to take our offer, which will be private equity and debt, and we'll close on January 5th so that you can delay your taxes an extra 18 months or whatever versus having to pay the taxes in 10 months if you close in 2017, since we're such the end of 2017. And they were all over that. So that's a potential strategy, best ever listeners. If you are trying to close a deal in the end of the year, you may be able to add value by just waiting a couple of weeks because it'll allow the seller to basically have a tax-free loan for up to 20 months or something like that, or 18 months, whatever it is if they extend their taxes. So it's a tactic that you can use to potentially win deals with not being the highest priced offer. But anyway, so we went under contract with that and it was heavily contingent on financing. It was going to be a very, very, very tough deal to finance because it's an RV park in Odessa, Texas. 
However, when we did the feasibility work, it had fantastic fundamentals from a feasibility standpoint. And the Permian Basin, when compared to other oil producing areas, had the most resiliency through boom and bust cycles. They've been doing it for 80 years. The people of the Permian are resilient. They're tough. Permian understand how to ride those waves out. So even in the worst times when oil was in the $25 a barrel area, unemployment was still 5 to 7% versus up in North Dakota or Wyoming when unemployment reached double digits. So we decided to go forward and we decided to go out and raise private equity and take down the park. So the price of the park was 1.71. We had negotiated a $40,000 credit to fix some septic stuff. So we were going to raise about a million dollars to do some repairs and maintenance. And then we were going to take down a loan for a million bucks. We called everybody, everybody and their mother. And we couldn't get it financed at all. The financials were a mess. The record keeping wasn't good. It was very, very, very hard for us and our due diligence to even understand what we were going to be getting into. And it was even harder for banks to understand. So at the last minute, we found a hard money lender that agreed to lend us money. And we were able to raise the private equity. It's a pretty good return. Our investors are earning 26% cash on cash on that particular deal. And it's supposed to be a four-year deal for them. So it's about a 100% return over four years. So pretty darn good return and really good cash flows along the way. But it was the debt financing that was really tough. So here's where we really kind of shined as a team. Our director of business intelligence had put together a phenomenal feasibility study. Just really, really good, really easy to follow. And our investors loved it. So the debt lender loved it as well. It was all juiced up, ready to rock. And then about a week or so before we were ready to close, they just up and decided not to fund us. Why? At all. That was really interesting. They Why? told us that the financials of the park didn't make sense. We weren't strong enough as a buyer. And they didn't like the fact that we didn't live there. What was really annoying about this is they had everything, all of that information for a month before they decided just to pull out at the last minute. So what we think is that those buyers failed on their side and they couldn't get it done. And instead of acting with integrity, they blamed it on us. So I'm not going to say their name because I just don't want to deal with the legal ramifications of it. But when we have an opportunity to give a recommendation for these folks, it will not be positive. We, we do not believe they were good people and they did not act with integrity at all. Um, so Imagine um, coming across and, that in commercial real estate. Shocking. I know. And it, it was really irritating because they could have told us no a month before. There was absolutely nothing new that they discovered. So that was two weeks before scheduled close? Uh, about a week. week about so, a week, week before scheduled close. How much money and time did you have into this deal at that point? We had gone hard. So on our earnest money and we had pulled some studies and this and that. So it was about 50 grand. Okay. What was earnest money? 30,000, 35,000, okay. somewhere in there. Okay. And then how much time would you estimate that you all had put towards it in total number of team hours? Oh, in total number of team hours between trips, acquisitions, capital, finance, maybe a hundred. Wow. All right. So you've put a lot of time and money into this deal. A week before closing, financing falls through from the debt side. Equity side still strong, right? It is. We're okay. fully raised. Okay. So now what do you do? 
Well, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'm a military guy, so I am fanatical about planning, and I'm fanatical about planning worst-case contingencies. So in the military, in a planning process, you have the most dangerous course of action and the most probable course of action. Now, from a military perspective, that's based on what the enemy is going to do. So when we look at our deals, we have a couple of different enemies, and one of them is always the lender. The lender in our deal is always one of our enemies, another one being government bureaucrats or something along those lines. Not a quintessential enemy, but someone that could act in such a way that would damage our ability to execute our mission. So for this particular one, our acquisitions director had gone through and analyzed the most dangerous course of action and the most probable course of action for the lender. The most dangerous course of action that we had built out two months earlier was that they would pull out a week before closing. (laughs) Wow. It was already in our system. And then with each one of these most dangerous and most probable courses of action, we have mitigation strategies to take care of it if those come to pass. So the plan was already written. So we basically just did nothing for 24 hours, reviewed our plan. And the plan that we had written, it was that banks were going to fail. So we would have no choice but to raise our own private debt instrument from our investors. That's the only thing that we could do. We had never done it before. We didn't know how to do it, but that was our plan. 96 hours later, we had a promissory note written, a deed of trust written, and a million dollars raised at the same terms that the hard money lender was going to give us, and we closed the deal. Wow. What are those terms? They were miserable. 12.5% <laughs> interest only <on> loan. <laughs> what was it? 12.5%? Yeah, it was. 12.5% interest only loan for how long? So it had a three-year payback. But if we went to years two and three, we got hit with an additional point each year. Plus, we had to give up equity positions to the debt guys if we went there. Mm. So it was basically 12 months to get our act together and get different financing on it. Okay. How long ago did you purchase this property? We closed March 1st. Okay. So we're still in the 12-month period. I'm very excited to hear how it's going, but I don't want to fast forward too much. All right. You all found the person for the hard money. And how did you know this person? It was actually 12 of our investors. They were our normal equity investors that just took a debt position on the property. Ah. We actually had maybe two or three investors that actually took a straddle position to where they had equity and debt. They did both. Mm -hmm. And the original lender backs out. A little shock, but you have that in the worst case scenario for your contingency plan, what did you do to communicate, or rather, how did you communicate to your investors the fallout and what you needed in order to close? It's a good question. For the equity side, we really didn't even have time to communicate. We sent out an email basically saying, hey, this is what's happened, and hey, here's our course of action going forward. Anybody that's in on the equity side, are they interested on the debt side? So we had a couple of people raise their hand right away and and we had very, very little time and we executed the strategy in four days or so, 96 hours, I think it was when we had closed the million bucks on the debt side. And then we just opened it up to our regular list. We put it out to our list of our personal investors that know us. We had personal relationships with all of them and we just kind of put it out to our list and we had an overwhelming coming back to say, yeah, we're going to do this with you guys. Everybody loves 12.5% interest for the first lien position on an asset. (laughs) And why did you go with those terms instead of a little bit less than that? 
Good question. We had very, very little time and we really didn't have time to struggle with the raise. So we wanted to make sure we could take this down because it was a good deal as I'll get into here in a minute for the operation side of the house here. It was a really good deal and we wanted zero, absolutely zero probability that we wouldn't be able to execute. So we kind of took it on the chin a little bit up front knowing that we were going to be successful in our business plan and that we would be able to take it out later. So you're about seven, eight months into it. What's been the result? The operations have been fantastic. So our business plan was to do a number of different upgrades to the park stemming from CapEx, like improving electrical to just vanity upgrades by putting in a fence around it and just really making it a much better environment to operational upgrades such as digital management software, better marketing, a call center. You can pay by credit cards. It's all the fairly standard improvements that you would do to a particular asset to take it from a class C to a class A asset as much as an RV park can be a class A asset. And we had a plan to add additional spaces. So the park started out with 102 spaces and we are in the process of finishing up 14 more. So we'll have 116. We actually installed a propane dispensing station on site and got our managers trained so people can stop by and buy propane at our facility now. We've just done a number of different upgrades, which has allowed us to raise rents. I'm not sure what the percentage is, but it's over $100 a month per spot. And that's really, really driven the NOI up a lot by a factor of probably double or triple. You still got the loan on it? We just executed the refinance on the loan. Oh, so we went out oh and what a relief. It was. And we were able to do it in a fantastic way as well. So we went out. And we engaged some lenders and we actually got a really good bank down the Midland area and they they were really awesome to work with and they gave us a term sheet and it was our plan all along to go down and see what we could get from financing. When we have an opportunity to pay people, we want to pay our own people. The bank gave us good terms. They weren't a great fit for us. The terms we got was 5.5% interest amortized over 15 years with personal guarantees. So the interest rate, fantastic. The personal guarantees, we were really kind of ambivalent to. We didn't really care. But the amortization over 15 years, it really didn't do the greatest for the cash flow for the park. Right. So what we did is we went back to the investors that had done the loan with us in March. And we had told them all along that our primary objective here is to refinance this loan out as fast as we can. Because we have a fiduciary responsibility to our equity investors to make the park produce as best as possible. And one of it is to get rid of a very higher interest loan. So we went together and we put together a new term sheet for them and we offered 8% interest only because that's what we felt was good for our investors. We liked the interest only. We wanted to take care of our people. It reduced the burden of debt on the park by $3,800 a month in debt service. And it allowed us to take care of our internal people. 100% of the investors said, fine modify the loan and we're good to go. So now we are at 8% interest only versus 12.5%. And we did that in about six months. It's beautiful. And it's amortized over 30 years. It's just an interest only loan. There's no interest only. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's really been good that, you know, people are still getting a solid 8% return and the equity investors are getting a lot more as well. What's the term of the loan? 
it has a balloon at five years okay. with extension periods to six and seven years with one point. And at seven years, if something has happened and we can't refinance it, then in addition to continuing to receive that higher interest, the debt investors get equity positions that comes out of Spartan's take on the deal. So not only will they have a debt position, but they will also get equity positions as well if we can't refinance them out. Wow. I love this story, this epic adventure, and I love this case study. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you all are doing? You can find us on Facebook, Spartan Investment Groups on Facebook. You could go to our website at www.spartan-investors.com, or you can reach out to me at scott at spartan-investors.com. Or they can meet you. Oh, absolutely. We're going to be speaking at the Best Ever Conference here. I believe it's February 23rd and 24th here coming up at 2019. We'll have a booth there and Best Ever listeners and those of you that are new to the Best Ever podcast, I want to say from a participant in every single Best Ever Conference that it is by far the Best Ever Conference that I've ever been to. And I do not like conferences at all. (laughs) And Joe puts on a fantastic conference. So don't worry about the cold in Denver. Little secret here. Sometimes it's 50 degrees, 60 degrees in February. As anybody that comes to that conference will have an absolutely amazing time. And I don't care how long you've been in the business, you will learn a ton. So meet Scott at the Best Ever Conference, February 22nd, 23rd. You can go to besteverconference.com. And I enjoyed our conversation today and love learning about this case study on the RV park. Then also I enjoyed your presentation last year at the conference. You talked about the planning in your presentation last year for how you look at worst case scenarios and lo and behold, here you go. And now you put in action. So thanks for talking about this case study. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. And appreciate it as always being on the show. Finally, there's a simple way to track rental performance. Stessa, our best ever sponsor, lets real estate investors track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate portfolios for free. Go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. You'll always know how your properties are performing with this dashboard. It's a beautiful looking dashboard and it will help you save time with smarter income and expense tracking You don't have to do any more data entry. Just upload the stuff directly from your phone. It tracks it in real time. Get organized for tax time with tax-ready financials so you can download them instantly. This thing was built by investors for real estate investors. It's been featured in all the publications you can think of. To get set up with your free account, just add your properties, link your accounts, and everything else updates in real time. Stessa.com forward slash best ever. S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best ever to get started. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.